The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on, on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it feels good to be home, and it is Panhandle Sports Live for this 20th day of December 2023, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building finally. Had a brief soiree into North Central, Northwestern, make that Pennsylvania. For some Shepherd basketball, we're going to be posting those highlights a little bit later today on our Twitter page at EP Sports Network. But like I said, it's good to be home. We appreciate the Shepherd basketball team for accommodating us and for the very exciting basketball that we got to call over the last couple of days where both teams split the games that they played. We'll talk about them coming up here in just a couple of moments. We'll look back at some college bowl games and what happened to Marshall yesterday. John Morant is back. That's going to be a topic for discussion as well. Plenty of that to come and more. We can finally get back to the text line. So if you want to get in touch with us, please do so. 304-263-4321. A couple of texts that we uh, woke up to when we fired up the old text line uh, a couple hours or not a couple hours ago, but like a half hour ago when I came into the studio. Uh, people want to know where the last two days worth of shows are for Panhandle Sports Live. I am not sure if they were recorded. If they were recorded, I will post them a little bit later on today. One of them was recorded. That one will be posted a little bit later on uh, this afternoon along with uh, today's episode of Panhandle Sports Live. I'm going to get those posted on Spotify uh, coming up here within the next couple of hours. But without further ado, we can also welcome back into the show uh, Parker Stone, who joins us uh, after his uh, brief hiatus. A little under the weather, feeling better today. Nice to have him back in studio. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, doing well. Happy to uh, be back. And uh, I don't know if you guys revealed what I had. I'll go ahead and reveal what I had. Uh, I had a spell with COVID, and I was shocked to find that out on Sunday. My plan was to come back on Monday, actually, until I found out that I tested positive for COVID. So I stayed back a little bit longer, and now I'm in that window where I'm good enough to come back in, and I have missed being in. It's been a full week since I've been on the show, so... It, it's a vacation I didn't ask for. So that's the best way I think I can call that one. But. And do not worry, folks. Do not change the dial. You cannot get COVID through your radio. Plus, he's healed. He's a, he's a, he's am, a healed man. I am good to go. <laughs> I, am, I am fully back to normal now. Now, another thing I wanted to touch on really quickly, it's uh, the late signing window for high school football athletes across the state. Um, you know, I know people are very excited. Keyshawn Robinson officially signing for WVU. They sent out that tweet. Rashad Reed as well. But athletes from a, a number of different sports are going to be signing to play in college, and that's what it's all about. You know, 
I missed the chance. Had a couple of opportunities to be a college athlete. Parker Stone was a college athlete. It's it's a tremendous honor, and I'm sure that these schools are very proud of these athletes that choose to continue their athletic career. And a lot of these guys, you know, obviously we're more than familiar with a lot of the football players that are going to be playing at the next level. But, you know, from volleyball to soccer to wrestling to golf to swimming to baseball to softball to cheerleading, the list goes on. Um, you know, just a special congratulations to everybody in the Eastern Panhandle that's signing today that's going to have a chance to represent their high school, represent the Eastern Panhandle on some athletic field in college. Um, I'm sure it was a momentous day when you decided that you wanted to run cross-country at Concord. And again, uh, I'm sure you would echo the congratulations to all the athletes out there today. No, it's really exciting. Congratulations to all those athletes that are signing today. I saw Keyshawn's video just pop up on my social media feed, actually. So that's always fun to see Rashad signing at 2 o'clock. Wes Hancock as well, signing to go play at WVU in his PWO offer. He's signing that offer coming up today as well. A lot of the athletes in the Eastern Panhandle have worked really hard for this moment. Oh, and there's another one for you, too. Another West Virginia product going to WVU and Curtis Jones of Capital Midland. That's another guy that's going to be going to the Mountaineers next season. It's, a, it's exciting. It's an exciting time for all these athletes getting to realize something that you've worked 18, 17 years for up to this point and getting the opportunity to showcase your talents on a bigger stage and to have schools the caliber of an Elon, a WVU, of a Marshall, to reach out to you and say, we want you to be a part of this team. We think your skills are elite enough to be a part of this exclusive fraternity, and we want you to be a part of a change. And that is always special. It's a special moment, I think, for a lot of these kids, especially here in the Eastern Panhandle. And it's going to be exciting what some of these kids, especially on the WVU side of things, because it's – they're, they're putting together one heck of a class, it looks like, right now, especially from some of the news that's leaked out over the past couple of days. It yeah, big transfer official. linebacker from Ohio State yesterday. It's it's looking really, really good over in WVU. And this is what I love, too. I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but I I love that we have found an athletic director in Ren Baker that gets it. Mm. He gets this era of college sports. The amount that he's poured into efforting the Country Roads Trust, the amount of people that have signed up and have become a part of of this NIL experience at WVU over the past year or so with Ren Baker steering the ship, he gets it. And that's why a lot of these great athletes are staying. That's why we're getting guys like Jesse Edwards and Kirk Kreisha. That's why guys like Jaheim White are staying at WVU instead of testing the waters because we've seen college athletics. We've seen a bunch of players go test the waters, almost free agency-like over these past couple transfer portal eras, if you want to call them. The fact that this is being pushed hard at WVU – is giving people the relief and the effort of knowing that, yes, WVU can not only survive but can thrive in the NIL era. Well, like I mentioned, you can text us 304-263-4321. Texter says, love that this is the first text we get back. How about the thundering herd? And it's three laughing emojis. For those of you that didn't know, uh, Marshall lost to UTSC as the first ever bowl win in program history for the Roadrunners. Uh, if we have a little bit more time in the show, we will talk about this. But what was it, Josh McCown's kid against Chad Pennington's kid at quarterback? Mm. So I'm sure that made a lot of people feel old. Uh, but yeah, Marshall lost that game. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. I want to talk about one more thing in this segment. Don't have every score from high school basketball yesterday, but there's two I really wanted to focus in on. Um, first of all, the the Mossman Lady Appleman continue to play a high level of basketball. They're 6-2. and two. They beat Hampshire yesterday, 74-49. Jasmine Morris goes for 28 points, and she did it in three quarters. I don't think she played in the fourth quarter of this game. Jefferson was a winner over James Wood on the boys' side of things, 82-43. to 
Um, Jaden Gladney goes for 14 points. Kylan Johnson goes for 14 points. Let's start with Jefferson on the boys' basketball side of things because Parker Stone, you know, we've talked about this a little bit with Daniel um, and, and you as well. This Jefferson team's been to back-to-back semifinals. This is a Jefferson team that returns almost everybody. They lose Chet Gore to Washington, who transfers. Uh, and, of course, they're down a Shively uh, because Will Shively uh, committed to play collegiate basketball uh, at Hood University. And you wondered how those players were going to get replaced. Well, Gore, for the time being, has been replaced by Quentin Goins, Jared Wilberger, some muscle from the football team. And Goins has gotten in double figures a couple of times. But Kylan Johnson is a really interesting player. And I know you got to see him last year in the postseason. At the beginning of the season, he didn't play much. Then he kind of became the the de facto sixth man. You know, uh, he started to get more minutes as the season has gone on. And he's been Jefferson's leading scorer in a couple of games early on this season. You've got a known commodity in Jaden Gladden. He's a very good shooter, six foot two, and then Jamari Jenkins is one of the best floor generals in the state. So you're able to bring in a guy like Johnson. Don't forget, you still have Tayshawn Roper and Ty Vickers on this team. Roper's a very good defensive player. Vickers is one of the best shooters that Jefferson has. I think that Kyle and Johnson. You look to see who could be that piece to push them over the edge, get them to a state championship game. A guy on the perimeter that gets you 14 a night, like Shively did. Uh, but in a different way because he can score at all three levels at a high level. That's the kind of piece that can help Jefferson contend for a state championship, and I think Johnson might be the key to unlocking the best of this Cougar team. Yeah, I think so too. It's a third threat on the floor, realistically, that you have now in Kylan Johnson. That is another one of those guard-forward hybrids that you can move and do different things with. And just the depth too. If you want to go play deep into Charleston and play deep into the state championships, you got to have depth and you got to have guys that can step up in key moments. And this Cougars team has shown that they have those pieces. You've got a guy like Jamari Jenkins, who this state knows about. He's one of the better players in the state. You've got, again, a multitude of players that can work and be all sorts of problems for any sort of team. Jaden Gladney is a guy that can get you 20 a night if you need him to. Kylan Johnson, the fact that he's taken this next step is going to be crucial down the stretch for this team because if there's a night where Jamari doesn't shoot great or a night where Jaden doesn't shoot too good or maybe they try and lean on someone else, Quentin Goins has been a revitalization. He's come in and play basketball, and it, we heard Coach Lewis say he hasn't played since freshman year, something like that, and he's out here putting up double-digit points and being a presence in the paint. That's huge for this team that we thought was going to have a big loss in, in Wyatt Shively and him being in the middle and being a presence. Now they have that, and they have – no, wait a minute, hold on. Did I mix up the did I mix up the Shively brothers? Wyatt's there, Will's gone. Okay, thank you. Will's gone, Wyatt's there as well. <laughs> so th- those – Wyatt Shively and Quentin Goins being a presence still in the middle, and then, again, you have Ro- Roper and Vickers off the bench too. One provides great defense. One provides a great shooter off the bench. It's, this is what you look for in a state championship-level team. Three guys that can give you consistent points every single night – Two players that provide valuable assets in your starting lineup. And then at least two great bench players. And Jefferson has those pieces to really make a statement and go deep, I think, this year in the state tournament. Well, let's change gears back to the girls' side of things. A big performance from Jasmine Morris, like we mentioned in the win for the Lady Appleman. Uh, The Eastern Panhandle in girls' basketball, we expected it to be a little bit weird going into the season. Not this weird. So your two best teams early on, these are unofficial, obviously. These are just kept by Max Preps, so not every game is on here. Hedgesville's undefeated still. They're four and zero, and they're playing at a very high level. Gracie Brown, Musselman six and two, and then the known commodity coming back, the team that we thought was the odds odd favorite, 
Washington, and let's put it in perspective, though, they are playing a very tough schedule early in the season. They're just 1-3. and three. But here's something that's interesting about Washington if people haven't seen. Their second-leading scorer for a team that had two really good underclassmen last year is a freshman, and to me, a Perry. We're waiting for Mary Rivera to get going. Ariana Harrison struggling a little bit out of the gate. Lexi Adams is picking up where she left off. But, you know, you look in terms of record right now, in terms of winning percentage, you've got an undefeated Hedgesville team, then you've got Musselman, and then you've got a Martinsburg team that's playing 500 ball, have only played a couple of games. Then Washington, Spring Mills and Jefferson are both in the midst of, you know, uh, rebuilding eras. They were both, uh, well, Jefferson was upperclassman heavy, senior heavy, and Spring Mills lost a lot of pieces in the offseason. So they're kind of trying to figure things out. Washington stumbling a little bit out of the gate right now, Parker Stone. If you were to have an EPAC girls basketball power ranking, the team that we expected to be the odds-on favorite would not be in the top two right now because you've got an undefeated Hedgesville team and a Musselman team that, A, good on them for playing eight games in the month of December. That's crazy. But to win six of them and have some good pieces like Jasmine Morris, I mean, EPAC girls basketball, and I'm excited we're going to get into the girls basketball part of our schedule uh, in the month of January. I think it's going to be crazy this year. No, this is going to be a really exciting finish, I think, down the stretch. Between really these three teams we mentioned, I think really Washington, Hedgesville, and you look at Musselman right now, I'd say Musselman's impressed me the most out of this first stretch. They've shown that they can compete. Coach Potter's got him playing really good basketball over that way. He's establishing his brand of defense, and it's paying off for the Lady Appleman. They're playing great basketball right now, and – for Hedgesville's side, Coach Fairclaw's doing the same thing. He's getting these girls to play with grit, toughness, and that's how they're playing. They're playing these tough games, and they've taken a very much improved step from what was a really tough season last year for Hedgesville girls basketball. Now, for Washington side of things, I'm not too worried about them. Yeah. I think they're going to be good. I think they're still my favorite to be the top overall team in the Eastern Panhandle going down for the state tournament. They have the most talent. They have the most expectations, and I think they're going to fulfill those. And once again, I want to emphasize it is December. We're not crowning a champion in December right now. Let's see how these teams perform as we get into the grind of the season, as we get towards mid-late January and see where teams are at. You hate you hate that they happen, but sometimes injuries do happen. Sometimes players do got to step up. Someone's got to take the ability to take charge, and especially when we get into conference play, that's where things could really turn a tide. I think still today, Washington is my favorite to be the top overall team in the Eastern Panhandle on the girls' basketball side of things. But that number two spot's still, again, wide open. Mosselman's my favorite as of today. It could be Hedgesville with a couple quality losses. It could be Martinsburg if they take another step and win a couple games too. It's it's wide open, I think, as of right now. But again, my, if you, I'm still standing with my favorite coming out as the best team in the Panhandle is going to be Washington girls. Well, our high school basketball schedule, broadcast schedule, is going to take a little bit of a hiatus because of the winter break. Our next broadcast will be on the 29th of December. That's Lindsley against Martinsburg and the boys' side of things. Our first high school girls' matchup uh, will be on the 9th of January. Uh, St. Maria Goretti is coming to Washington. That's going to be a really interesting game because you got uh, a piece or two of that Spring Mills team last year that's at Goretti. Uh, and then Washington, again, we, we consider to be the odds-on favorite on the girls' side of things. However, the field is... Very talented. There's a lot of teams that have impressed us early on. Who's impressed you? You can let us know. 304-263-4321. we got a break to take. When we return, we'll touch briefly on the trip that Shepherd Basketball just returned from. Uh, we're also going to take a look at the bowl schedule uh, and look back at that Marshall game and also John Morant making his return to the NBA. What does that mean for the Western Conference going forward? Keep it here. This is Panhandle Sports Live. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. 
heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone hanging out with you. Coming back from this Shepherd road trip and some really exciting basketball we got to call over the last couple of days. And we appreciate Shepherd men's basketball be accommodating of us. Let's start on the women's side of things, Parker Stone, where the women's basketball team, and we've touched on this already, have already tripled their win total from a season ago. Coming up in our next segment, uh, it was my fault for not having this cut up sooner. We're going to listen back to the buzzer beater really quickly uh, of what was a, a crazy end of the game. Carol Werner... Uh, goes down the lane, hits it at the buzzer, as uh, another texter wants me to know that the episodes are missing on Spotify. And I appreciate you letting me know. We were on the road with the Shepherd basketball team. I was not able to post them. One of them was recorded. It will be posted a little bit later on today. But Kara Werner wins the game for the Shepherd women's basketball team on Monday against Slippery Rock, 60-58. to uh, And then it was a very confusing game. You look at the scoreline against Edinburgh on Tuesday, 94-39. And uh, it was as non-competitive as it appears in the box score. But that was not a scoreline, I think, that was fair to the women's basketball team. You ran into a red-hot Edinburgh team. They hit a bunch of shots early. And it was just bizarre was the word. Again, similarly to Coach Kaufman's teams last year, can't fault the effort. You had a team shoot 50-40-90 against you. And you shot 30-22-83, the shooting splits. It was just one of those things where Shepard turns the ball over 20 times and only forces five turnovers. I would not raise the alarm bells. This team has made so much progress through the first nine games of the season, eight games of the season, that their ninth game is one that I wouldn't hold against them. It was just, you know, an odd sequence of events to watch this Shepard team. But Parker Stone, you've gotten to lay eyes on, you know, how this team is winning games. Peyton Grant is averaging double figures. But, you know, the biggest takeaway from this road trip is. Kara Werner is the point guard that Shepard's been looking for over the last couple of years. She hits the game winner. She plays with a tremendous amount of confidence. And Carmea Bowman is the forward that Shepard has been looking for. She's been great. She's got 20 offensive rebounds. Nobody else on this team has more than 10. She runs the floor like a guard, but she plays physical down low. The best players for me, early going, and I, of course I would put Sydney Bulls and, and Kara Miner into that as known commodities, but removed from that, is a sophomore in Peyton Grant, a freshman in Kara Werner, and a freshman in Kamara Bowman, which makes me confident in Coach Kaufman's ability to recruit and makes me confident in the future of this team. That's the biggest thing, and I've emphasized with how Coach Kaufman has rebuilt this women's basketball program at Shepard. She's doing it the right way. She's doing it through high school. She's recruiting, and this is her really her first full-blown recruiting class. And no, no shade thrown at the team last year, but – I'd say probably at least half the team last year was thrown together at the last minute. And with this team now, you've got a team that is playing together. This is a team that knows that there's a common goal together, knowing that they're trying to make progress and take that next step in this program. It's trying to reach the heights that they had just a few years ago. This was an NCAA tournament team just two years ago. They're trying to get back to that same level, and you're seeing that in players like Bowman, like Winner, like Peyton Grant. The core is being built over at Shepard right now. It's just adding on to the core is going to be the biggest thing in the next couple of years. Performances like this, the only nitpick I would have, 
the, really the biggest reason they beat Slippery Rock is because Slippery Rock shot awful from three-point land. They shot four of 20 in this contest, and if they're able to connect on one more of those, Slippery Rock pulls out a win. But they were able to get the job done. They shot well from the field. They shot 40% overall, 40% from three and did their job what they needed to at the line as well. In the Edinburgh game, I think it's the best way you described it. It's just not their best day in the office, and that happens sometimes in basketball. You have an off day, you have a bad day, and that just happened to be the case. They caught Edinburgh at a good time, and they just were coming off maybe a high of beating Slippery Rock, and now they have to come back, and coming up on the 30th, they have Mercyhurst coming up at home, and they get to return home as well for the first time since December the 12th, and it's an opportunity to once again improve. On the men's side of things, they're just 1-3 to begin conference play, 4-5 and five overall. But when you look back at those conference games, Parker Stone, you see a two-possession loss to Seton Hill, a one-possession loss to Cal, an overtime loss to Slippery Rock, and then a dominant win against Edinburgh. This team is better than their conference record would indicate, and I was really encouraged with what I saw from the men's basketball team yesterday in the win. Now, with that said, put everything in perspective. This is an Edinburgh team that was picked last in their division in the coaches' poll. However... Philip Jordan, and I talked to some members of the the coaching staff that agreed that that might have been the best game he'd ever played for Shepard. 16 points, 6 rebounds, he had 1 turnover, did not attempt a 3-pointer, was 8 of 13 from the field, and you say, well, you know, that's not the most incredible stat line. Bernie Blunt was number 2 in the PSAC in scoring, he's averaging over 21 points a game, and they hold him to 13, which you say, well, maybe that's not that impressive either. He took 17 shots to get 13 points. And Philip Jordan was the biggest reason. He was impeccable defensively. You also got Gerard Robinson, who's really developing into a 3 and D player. Goes for 13 and 8 and was 3 of 3 from beyond the arc. Carson Poffenberger it gave them some early shots that propelled them to a lead that they were able to defend for much of the game. Daniel McLean-Corley, he's starting to figure out his role where he's not just the only guy on this team that can get a bucket anymore because Marcus Banks goes for 22 points. Also 8 of 13 from the field. Perfect 6 of 6 from the line where DMC can come out and get spelled minutes and the offense doesn't completely capitulate, and he can be on the floor at the same time as Marcus Banks, and you ask yourself as a coach when you're trying to match up against Shepard, how in the world do you stop this team? Michael Cooper gets stops. Stephon Marcel is, continues to be a high-energy player, two offensive rebounds for him and four points. This is what this Shepard team is capable of at its best, and again, it was not a very good team. You beat them by 17 points. You should have beat them by more. They just, out of nowhere hit a miraculous amount of 28-footers, most namely J.J. Eubank, who was 6 of 13 from 3. That was just enough to keep them in the game. And don't forget, you get Ariel Goddard, who's a very good 3-and-D player, and Brody Davis back in the next couple of weeks, which will help bolster what is a currently a 7-man rotation. This is the best of Shepard basketball that we saw over the weekend. If what they achieved against Edinburgh is achievable Parker Stone, there's nobody in the conference they can't beat. No, I'm with you on that sentiment. It's the biggest thing with Shepard. I'm going to start with the Slippery Rock game first, the game they've fallen over time. The biggest thing with this team is I think they need to figure out consistent rebounding. I think yeah. that's their biggest issue. They got re- out-rebounded by nine against Slippery Rock, and that's probably what won Slippery Rock the game. You get two 20-point scores. You allow that. Maceo Austin and Jomo Goings, both those go for 20-plus points. In a game where Shepard didn't shoot their best, they shot only 33% from the field, 38% from three, and they shot 60% from the free throw line. That's The free throw line shooting as well has to get better on this team. Shooting 60% is not going to win you games down the stretch, especially when you're playing a tough in-conference overtime game. you got to shoot better at the charity stripe. That's, that's just something that's got to be fixed over time. 
And I'll go to the back to the Edinburgh game now. That's a it's an impressive performance. You're able to handle a team you're supposed to handle on paper. And that's a that's a win this program I think really needed. They really needed needed to get a win in conference play and get the ship back steered the right way. Philip Jordan has a fantastic game. You love to see that out of him. Daniel McLean Corley. I'd like to see him maybe finally turn that corner this season coming up when after the Rams are done with their holiday break. I'd like to see him take that turn and be that. 20 point per game score that we all know he can be i want to see that out of him because this is again this is a senior this is a guy who i want to see be the leader of this team he's been the top scorer on this team for the last two seasons he's got to take that step and be the focal point of this offense philip jordan being his robin is an absolute fantastic pairing and then you got a guy like marcus banks that goes for 22 points in this game and against slippery rock he had 11 points and eight rebounds this is a guy that's got a lot of potential down the line for the Shepherd team to be maybe one of those top scores in the next few years once Jordan and DMC have moved on. But it's it's there's things that I really like out of this team, and there's things that need to improve. They out-rebounded Edinburgh 31-25, to so they win the rebounding battle, but, again, only getting 31 rebounds in a contest. That's a number you want to see maybe in the low 40s, I would say. It's just those type of things that they got to improve on with – which will take some time. We're still in December. It's a long, long season for college basketball, but a couple nitpicks that I have, but overall there's a lot of potential in this team. I still feel like that still has a couple pieces that are going to be returning, hopefully after the holiday break. Yeah, fun stretch of games for Shepard upcoming. Our next broadcast of Shepard basketball will be a Saturday matchup against Mercyhurst. The women at 1 o'clock, the men at 3.30. I'm sorry, make that 3 o'clock. December 30th is the Saturday, and then they go to IUP on just this, uh, January 3rd. We'll be carrying just the men's game in that one uh, and what's going to be a, a really fun matchup. we got a break to take. When we return, like I mentioned, I want to play back that buzzer beater. Daniel Woods' call of Kara Werner's layup to beat the buzzer and uh, our postgame interview with Coach Kaufman, and then we'll turn our attention to college football, the NBA as well. We'll talk a little John Morant. The Mountaineer basketball team plays tonight. If we have some time, we'll touch on that as well. And anything else you want us to talk about, you can let us know. 304-263-4321 is our text line. Back for more after this. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone hanging out with you. Daniel Woods will be back soon. Just a little under the weather today. Just a little bug going around. And do not worry, Daniel Woods does not have coronavirus. I didn't infect him, I promise. (laughs) It was just a couple days in the hotel room. And uh, and a lot of slamming pizzas in the hotel room will do that to you. Uh, You can text us, 304-263-4321. Like I said, uh, coming up in just a moment, we're going to turn our attention to more of a broad and national standpoint. But uh, I missed the opportunity to play this in the last segment, so I want to play it now. The Shepard women's basketball team defeated Slippery Rock at the buzzer. Carol Warner with just a crazy sequence of events. He had a big three from Peyton Grant, and Warner hits a couple of shots late, one to tie the game, one to win it. So let's listen back. This is the last about 30 seconds of regulation of the Slippery Rock game. Uh, Kara Warner's going to do the unthinkable not once but twice. And then you'll hear our postgame interview with head coach Julie Kaufman. Here's what it sounded like. She steps back with eight on the shot clock. Handoff goes to Warner. One dribble now into the right hand. She splits two defenders, scoops it off the glass, and she scores. Big take from the freshman there. The screen by Grant to get her downhill to the rim. She picked up that dribble, did the rest with the feet. Kara Warner ties the game. There's 40 seconds left, 58 to 58. Gabby Jackson with the basketball at midcourt for Slippery Rock. 15 seconds between the shot and game clock. Atkins at the free throw line. Into the corner. Dunn with a shot fake. In the lane against Miner. Kicked out left corner. Here's a three from Jackson. 
It's missed long, rebound Peyton Grant, shot clock turned off. 20 seconds to play for Shepard as Werner will walk it up. 15 seconds on the clock, no timeout from Julie Kaufman. 12 seconds to play, now 10, tied at 58. Werner waiting on the Bowman screen, seven seconds on the clock. The freshman with the ball in her right hand, nearly lost the handle, three to shoot, runner in the lane, it's in! Shepard wins! Shepard wins at the buzzer. Carol Wainer is mobbed by her teammates. A 60 to 58 win for the Rams. Rejoining you from the campus of Slippery Rock University, I'm Daniel Woods, Luke Wiggs alongside, and we are now happy to be joined by the victorious head coach of the Shepard Rams women's basketball team, Julie Kaufman. And coach, I'm gonna get right to the point. Before we came back for the second half, De'Ara Hairston came over to our broadcast position and said, you need to quote what Carol Werner said going into halftime after she hit that half-court shot. She said she looked at us and said, I'm just good at this. <laughs> and then she scores the final four points of this game and puts it in at the buzzer uh, to win this game for you guys. What can you say about her performance today? Yeah, I mean, she, um, you know, that's she's a great kid. I love her. Um, that's one of the reasons why I didn't call a timeout and just wanted her to, to get the ball and just play. I mean, she's a really good just – you know, obviously you've seen her hit a bunch of half-court shots at um, halftime, but also, you know, that cow shot that she missed, the game-winning one, um, she sent me video on it um, and said she'll never miss that again. So I trust her, and I know that she's going to put the ball in the hole and run what we should run. Um, you know, she's awesome for our team, and our and she just has so much confidence that I'm – I love her. Yeah, well, she's and, great. And Coach Bowman in the front court. I mean, this is a team, you know, that struggled at times rebounding the ball a season to go offensively and defensively. She yeah. gives you that option. She runs the floor so well. I mean, we're talking about two freshmen right now that I'm sure you're very excited about yes. that had a lot to do with the success today. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about crashing the boards uh, more on offense and just kind of getting into that habit. Um, but, yeah, she's she brought us a huge first half. I've been really hard on her the past couple weeks, so I'm, I'm really excited that she, you know, was able to show us what she can do. And it wasn't necessarily for your two leading scorers in, in Peyton and Layla. It wasn't yeah. necessarily their best nights. No. Uh, but Layla handles the basketball well for you down the stretch. Peyton knocks down a three. But also, what, what can you take away from your team with this that, you know, those two didn't have their best scoring nights and you still had people step up? Yeah, and that, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's not our team is whoever steps up, steps up. They um, play for each other. They're together. And we just had to find a way to win, and that's what I told him in the last time out was, I don't know what that looks like at this point, but just figure it out. And, um, you know, we kind of do that in practice too is just figure it out as we go, and I, I put a lot of trust in them. And I think this game specifically um, just puts a lot of trust back on the coaches too. Like I, I feel like the belief and the buy-in is there, and I'm just – really excited that we were able to pull this one out. Well, Coach, we offer you our congratulations. You. We'll let you go celebrate with yeah. your team. Thanks, I have a Coach. feeling that they're getting geared up with, uh, you know, their cooler or their water bottles. So, All right. <laughs> yeah, so that was Shepard head coach Julie Kaufman, the Rams women's basketball team. That was their third victory of the season. By the way, I didn't even mention that Carol Warner banked in a shot from midcourt at halftime. So that was neat. That was a heck of a road trip, and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, with the women's basketball team going forward. We're going to post those complete highlights uh, coming up on our Twitter page here um, in just a couple of moments. I want to turn back to that Marshall Bowl game here in just a second. I also want to talk about the NBA. It was the lone bowl game yesterday. We didn't get the chance to talk about what was an exciting game between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion on Monday, but on Tuesday, the Roadrunners defeat Marshall 35-17. Uh, Marshall finishes the season 6-7. and seven. Owen McCowan throws for two touchdowns, two interceptions, and Cole Pennington, son of Chad Pennington, Goes for 258 yards, but is just 15 of 33. Doesn't find the end zone. Rasheen Ali and Ethan Payne did. And that's Ethan Payne. It was a polka dot, by the way. 
I got to see him in the state base, uh, basketball and, uh, of course, in the playoffs for the Dots as well. I, Marshall's in such a weird spot, Parker Stone. And, you know, this is a, a team coached by Charles Huff. That Charles Huff, and we talked about this extensively, <clears throat> excuse me, coming into the season, he was expecting to have another eight or nine win season and potentially be courted by Power 5 schools. All of a sudden, they just barely sneak into a bowl game that they just get annihilated in by the Roadrunners. You know, the quarterback situation is going to be odd. I don't know if Rasheen Ali is going to be back. This team's going to take a significant step back. And all of a sudden, Charles Suff goes from having the option to be one of the best group of five coaches in the country to be recruited to be a Power 5 coach to now you wonder if he has another season like this, if he's going to lose his job. Yeah, it's very realistic. It's uh, He did himself no favors with the uh, comments he made that I, I'm not sure if those comments were supposed to be made public or not. But nonetheless, if you're making comments to somebody, you got to assume that at some point they will, at least in some form or fashion, become public. And the fact yeah. he said it that way it didn't do himself any favors. So it's, yeah, there's some concern, I think, in Marshall country right now about how things are going with this program and how Charles Huff has been handling things. I mean, Pennington gets sacked six times, and you, you can't have your quarterback who gets thrusted into the lineup because your starting quarterback transferred because of the environment that you put himself in. You can't have your quarterback that is starting being thrown to the Wolves into a pretty solid UTSA team. And I know they didn't have the season they wanted to for Texas-San Antonio, but it's a team that still played really good that we're playing without their starting quarterback and yeah. Frank Harris as well. And they roll out Owen McCown, who doesn't have a great performance, but does enough to get the job done. And it was just defense at the end of the day for UTSA that beat Marshall because they did, weren't able to get really much anything going. Harrison goes for six catches on 132 yards. But other than that, not too much of anything going on. Ali goes for 92 and a score. Payne goes for 34 and a score. But it was just an okay performance from Cole Pennington. It was an all right performance, if you want to call that, from Owen McCown. He threw two touchdowns. It was three rushing touchdowns for UTSA. It's a Marshall program. I think that has they're going to have a lot of questions in 2024 and how they're going to be handling things. And that seat is for sure going to be a little hot on Charles Huff, I think, if there takes a wrong turn in the season. If this team has kind of a collapse that they had this past year where they started losing multiple games in a row, that seat's going to get a little hot for Charles Huff, so we'll have to keep an eye on that for 2024 because his job security is very much in flux, I think. Well, we've got some more bowl games coming up over the next couple of days, and a couple of those you're going to be able to hear here on WEPM and WCST. Um, I'm going to see if I can get the list because I know we've got two coming up um, on uh, on Saturday. But in the meantime, while I look up that list, Parker Stone, think about these upcoming games you've got uh, Syracuse without their head coach taking on South Florida on Thursday and the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Come on. UCF and Georgia Tech are both 6-6. Six and six. And then a really exciting slate of games on Saturday. And like I said, I'm going to look up and see what games we're running um, and, and come back with that list in a moment. But of those upcoming college football bowl games, you know, obviously we're a couple of uh, more than a couple of days away from what's going down on New Year's Day and the, and the big boys and the, the Power Five conferences. But you've got some fun bowl games over the next couple of days as well. Who are you the most excited to watch? There's a lot of exciting games on paper right now. There's uh, Syracuse and South Florida. It'll be fun see what Syracuse has to offer at the end of the season. And a South Florida team 
This is the first time South Florida's been bowling in, what is it, six seasons or yeah. something like that? Shout out to the Bulls. So hopefully that's a great game coming up tomorrow evening will be the Boca Return. Not the, yeah, it is the Boca Return poll. And we got the Gasparilla Bowl between UCF and Georgia Tech. That'll be a fun one to see what UCF does there. UCF's a five-point favorite in that game. Syracuse a three-point favorite against South Florida. Uh, some of the other matchups that intrigue me as I'm going down the paper, I think JMU Air Force has the potential to be a really good game. Oh, yeah. That's going to be December the 23rd. It's going to be this Saturday. JMU's just a two-point favorite. Of course, JMU not playing with former head coach Kirk Signetti. He went to go take the Indiana job. They're bringing in a guy from Holy Cross to be their next head coach. So seeing what the Dukes do against Air Force. And Air Force had a really great season. They were 25th in the nation at one point. They had kind of an end-of-season collapse. So it's two teams that are going to be really competitive. I'm looking at in the Armed Forces Bowl. It's going to be a fun one. Some of the other ones that intrigue me, Utah Northwestern. Looks like it's going to be a fun one on paper. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. So the games that we're going to be able to run this Saturday, you can hear them provided by Bowl Season Radio. Birmingham Bowl, Duke and Troy at noon. Utah Northwestern in the Las Vegas Bowl. There you go. I think Utah Northwestern has the potential to be a really great game. Northwestern's actually been one of the more fun and uplifting stories of the season of course what happened before the season started they fire pat fitzgerald due to some pretty egregious claims and they are expected to be the worst team in the big 10 turns out they go seven wins get to a bowl and now they've got a chance to beat a really good utah team i think that was a little underrated during the season some other ones that stick out i mean you've got oklahoma state texas a&m is one that could be interesting you've got um, Kansas State and NC State, how that's going to go. I think Arizona-Oklahoma is going to be a fun, fun game. I really love what's going on in Arizona and a chance for maybe WVU to get their eyes on a new Big 12 opponent in Arizona. That's going to be one of the better teams in the conference, I think, preseason poll-wise. And you know what? Since we're sticking on preseason poll, uh, I've seen a couple outlets now. They've, oh, yeah. they've been doing some 2024 early prediction top 25s. WVU's hanging in the high teens, low 20s right now and top 25 polls projected for 2024. Well, and think about who they've gotten through the transfer portal already. A high-level group of five edge rusher just picked up a linebacker from Ohio State yesterday uh, and two players in the secondary, a corner and the safety that are coming up from uh, that group of five level that you know had significant power five interest. Neil Brown is winning the transfer portal right now. You maintain your quarterback. You maintain a good portion of your offensive line, albeit you're losing one of the best centers in the history of the program. You're getting significantly better at the wide receiver position, um, namely with some in-state talent, Keyshawn Robinson and Dom Collins, who are two of the fastest people in the country. There's a lot of optimism and a lot of reason why you want to believe into the Mountaineers going into next season. I think it'd be foolish not to rank them in the top 25. With that said, now that we're, you know, 365 days away from when WVU will be playing in their next bowl game or, you know, hopefully freaking the college football playoff. But, you know, it's you don't want to be too insane. But you're looking at a team in this kind of rejuvenated Big 12 that no longer is going to have Texas and Oklahoma. And nine win seals, uh, a nine-win floor seems as though it's not unrealistic for Neil Brown uh, based on the way he's put this team together. So, you know, WVU Athletics, as much as they've gone through in the last six months, could be a lot worse. You know, you've got a football team that's got an eight-win season, could make it nine with a bowl win. You've got a basketball team that I understand Jesse Edwards is hurt, but, you know, they're going into conference play with Raekwon, with Noah Farrakhan, with Jesse Edwards, with Kirk Creesa, and everybody else that we got to see start the season. Baseball team's great. Women's basketball team's undefeated. You know, it could be a lot worse for Mountaineer yeah. fans right now. No, absolutely. I think this is one of the better eras we've ever seen as a whole of WU sports. I really do. This football team has a lot of momentum going their way. They're signing in 
state products. And I know that was a lot of the big things that people had their gripes about in the Holgerson tenure was, well, Holgerson didn't want to sign (laughs) in-state products. And Neil Brown is making that not only an emphasis, but a point of concentration is to grab in-state products. He doesn't want a Keyshawn Robinson, a Dom Collins, a Curtis Jones to fall within his grasp just because he wants to reach for the next kid in Kissimmee, Florida. (laughs) <laughs> it's he's bringing in these in-state guys and he's wanting to develop these guys we've seen what Hudson Clement can do for WVU he took a step and he's one of the he's going to go in as one of the top receivers next season for the Mountaineers and so will Preston Fox exactly Nick yeah. Malone might start in the offensive line you got a lot of in-state guys helping you out right now they're, they're playing fantastic entire offensive line basically <laughs> yeah I mean they're, they're recruiting in the state finding the in-state talent and really nurturing that into quality starters and that's really important basketball on both ends right now it seems that wvu is going to win the raekwon battle situation and having him and noah farrakhan play which is fantastic both those guys should have been playing at the start of the season anyway and coach eilert's going to have a tough time with the the toughest conference in college basketball but i think down the line this is a team that's going to grow a lot together being at full strength the women's team's playing fantastic mark kellogg was a slam dunk hire You've got baseball. J.J. Weatherholt's going to be a top-two pick in the MLB draft coming and, up next season. And speaking of drafts, uh, for the Mountaineer soccer team, who were, by the way, made it to the Final Four of the College Cup, they had three players taken in the first round of the MLS Super Draft yesterday. Only school to have that happen. Absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a high time to be a Mountaineer athletic fan right now, I believe so. So we've got one more break to take. When we return, we'll get Parker's picks, wrap up the show for today, talk about the John Morant situation, which I think is just incredibly stupid, and I'll tell you why. Uh, coming up in just a couple of moments here on Panhandle Sports Live. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live for this Wednesday. We are just five days away from Christmas. It's uh, certainly exciting. For those of you uh, that have not finished your Christmas shopping, I've got my hand up on that one. Need a little extra dough. Let's see if we get a chance to make you some money here. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. You know, it feels good to do this again back in the studio. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it so much. And we did hit lock of the day yesterday. We had Chris Middleton going over his one-and-a-half three-point mark. He hit three threes last night from Milwaukee. John Morant did not have a good shooting game. He was 0 for 5 from three-point land. But we were able to have a push yesterday because we went with Chris Tops Porzingis. He did not play due to load management. So we went 1-1-1. One, one, and one throughout yesterday's NBA picks. So we're going to turn to some more NBA today, and we're just picking straight-up game winners today. I'm going with today's lock. I'm going with the Knicks to get a win on the road, if you want to call it that, against the Brooklyn Nets. It's the Battle of New York. I think the Knicks are our overall better team on paper, and I think this is a win that New York is going to be able to get and handle a Nets team that is going to be, I think, a team that's going to be fringe on that line of making it into the into like the play-in for this season for the Eastern Conference. So I got the Knicks getting a win over the Nets. I got the Magic getting a win over the Heat, and I never thought I'd be saying this six months ago, but I think the Orlando Magic are going to beat the Miami Heat at home. The Magic are playing great basketball. We've mentioned before the young core they're building in Orlando. If you lose enough, you eventually get some good players. So <laughs> it's a crazy concept. They defend really well. They're, they're special. They're a good team, and they're drafting well, which yeah. is really helping them Suggs out. Suggs is working out. Black's working out. I think that you can put those guys in the backcourt, and they're just so lengthy. It's crazy. 
hot take, Paolo Bancaro will be an all-NBA selection this season. I think that's fair. I, th- I think he'll make a third team. I got Orlando with a win over Miami, and I got Minnesota with a win over Philadelphia. Minnesota's a three-point underdog against Philadelphia with the Sixers at home in this game. So I like Minnesota. They're playing great basketball right now, and they're going to be able to pull out a win in this one. So New York with the win. The Knicks get the win over the Nets as today's lock. The Magic with a win over the Heat, and the Timberwolves with a win over the 76ers. Now, I just wanted to mention really quickly, you've got some sound I want to play before the show's over. The, the whole John Morant thing is so odd to me. I mean, he got suspended for a very good reason, and he's back. It's the same thing as the Jim Harbaugh situation. Like, you broke the rules, you embarrassed the league, you got suspended, and now you come back, he plays great because he's one of the best players in the league, and he's like, well, I kept receipts on everybody who was talking about me while I was gone. We were talking about you breaking the rules and getting suspended, dude. Nobody's saying you're not a great player. Nobody's saying Jim Harbaugh is not a great coach. I do not understand why people turn themselves into a victim like this. And when in reality... This is a Memphis Grizzlies team that has a rising star in Desmond Bain, a great player in Jaron Jackson Jr., and John Morant, who's a top 15 player in the league, and we should be angry at him for depriving them. They started the year, what, like 6-17? and 17? Yeah. And that's They're John Morant's right fault. I understand that he's back and he's playing. It's going to be fun. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, don't turn yourself into the victim, dude. You broke the rules, and it's your fault that your team has this poor of a record. John Morant can be a top... 10, maybe even a top eight to six player of the NBA. The only person that can hurt John Moran is John Moran. He's, done, he's shown that he's done that a couple times at this point. Well, like we mentioned, it's signing day for a lot of athletes in high school that want to commit to the college ranks, one of whom who's signing this afternoon at Jefferson High School is Keyshawn Robinson. Neil Brown on the WVU football recruiting Twitter page posted this video 54 minutes ago and had this to say about his signee from Jefferson. Only fitting that I'm staying right in front of our home sign in our offices right here at Milan Pushkar Stadium because Keyshawn Robinson from Jefferson High School played for Craig Hunter in high school, one of the best athletes in our home state. He was an all-state defensive back and an all-state receiver, also multiple state champion in track and field. Welcome, Keyshawn Robinson. Man, I'm so excited for what he's going to be capable of doing with this WVU team. He's uh, he's he's going to be an exceptional talent at the college level. I'm I'm really excited to see what he does. It's going to be fun to see what he turns into, whether they're going to play him at receiver or defensive back remains to be seen. I think he'll be a receiver at the next level. And to see what he does in a full spread offense with quarterbacks that are going to be on paper pretty good for this team. They're getting in these quality products and these quality high school kids. Keyshawn's one of them. The speed is undeniable, and to see what he can do. I'm interested to see how quickly he gets onto the field as a kick returner as well, if he's going to be able to get out there with his speed at some point. Yeah, I think so as well. So congratulations to every high school athlete that's signing uh, that letter to commit to college. Uh, We're proud of all of you, and we hope uh, that you succeed at the next level. If you missed any part of today's show, we're going to be posting it on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page along with yesterday's show as well. And we've got the award-winning Panhandle Live coming up in just a couple of moments. For Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.